Welcome back to the Hand On Business Podcast, the place that you can come, and you always come, to get tips, tricks, and advice on growing your business. As you know, this is a podcast where you can hear real business leaders discussing systems and methodologies that they have actually used to help them catapult growth in their own and their client businesses. Now, my name is Hakeem Adebi, and I've grown several small businesses to multi-million pound enterprises. And whilst doing that, I'd noticed that there wasn't really a place that focused on where I was, i.e. growing a small business. All the content that was out there seemed to be about big businesses and often just a lot of theory, not practical, implementable advice. So on my show, I focus on getting people onto the show who don't just talk about the theory, they're real people doing what you want to do, i.e. grow your skills and your business. They aren't just talking about doing it, they will give you real actionable takeaways which you can implement immediately into your business. Today, I'm delighted to say we have Ty Goodwin on the show. She's a teacher, an entrepreneur, and an author. And Ty is the CEO of that marketing team and the creator of the Liberated CEO Accelerator. She is an award-winning instructional designer with 20 plus years of experience creating learning experiences and content. Now, after coaching and teaching hundreds of entrepreneurs on social media, marketing and business strategies, it became very clear that the biggest challenge that her clients faced was implementation. Hence, on today's podcast, we explore the key numbers that every marketeer needs to know in order to be successful. Some real, real golden nuggets in this podcast, and make sure you listen to the section on quizzes and how Ty turns those into lead generation monsters. As always, loads of good information, but more importantly, things that you can start implementing tomorrow that will drive your business. Enjoy. Lovely to have Ty Goodwin on the show today. For those of you who haven't heard of her, why ever not? Ty is an award-winning instructional designer with over 20 years of experience, and she's worked with several Fortune 500 companies like Barnes & Noble and tech startups like Lead Pages. And if you're in the marketing space, you'll have heard of uh, Lead Pages. If you're not, you might not have, but I'm sure we'll discuss that in more detail as we go through the podcast. Now, as always, I'm obviously going to let Ty tell her own story in terms of how she went from being a teacher through to being an entrepreneur and author and being on my show today. Uh, but I'm really excited about today. And you might well say, but you always say that, Hakeem. But uh, the reason why I'm really excited today is that Ty is as passionate about marketing technology and lead generation as I am about sales and marketing processes. And she's all about creating marketing systems that actually work. Uh, and since I'm obsessed about sales and marketing systems, that's why I am particularly excited uh, about what we're going to discuss today. Because on today's show, we're going to be talking about the numbers that you need to know if you want to make marketing make sense. So very, very welcome, Ty. I am so excited to be here. I can't wait for this conversation. Excellent. So first question, really, Ty, is what's the story behind, Yeah, as I said in the intro, you started off as a teacher, and now you're effectively a marketing guru and an author. You know, how did that all come about? I don't know if anyone's ever called me a marketing guru, but I will take it. I will love it today. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm still a teacher at heart. I just don't teach little kids anymore. And I started off, you know, I love to make lesson plans, which is why I kind of love to do marketing strategy now. It's kind of the same thing. Um, but I really, really wanted to make a difference and have an impact. However, um, after working with AmeriCorps for a few years, and then I said, I'm going to go show these teachers how to do it. That lasted about two years. And I just didn't like being in the classroom, Akeem. I did not like that I couldn't go to lunch when I wanted to. Didn't like that I couldn't go to the bathroom when I wanted to, <laughs> right? Um, and then on top of that, I just really didn't like the system of, you know, the educational system, you know, that we have here. It just was not something that I thought was really working well for the students. And I didn't want to be a part of that. And so um, I left and I went into corporate training. And I love corporate training. You know, I got into instructional design. I got into building learning management systems, e-learning technology, and I love that. But I didn't quite like who I was working for. And again, I found myself limited. Um, somebody was telling me how much money I could make. They also told me when I could take a vacation, when I had to show up and where I had to show up and 
long commutes. And I didn't really like that aspect of it, but it wasn't until my daughter was born that changed everything. I really wanted to be home with her. So I blame her for being an entrepreneur because <laughs> I wanted that freedom and flexibility to be home with her. Didn't 100% work out that way. I spent a number of years launching while working, but I will say this, um, out of her 18 years of being in school, I was only actually in a full-time job, um, you know, working away from her for five years. So the rest of those 13 years, I did get to live that dream out of either having a job where I work remotely or being my own boss and being able to be there for her. Oh, thank you very much. So that's, that's uh, so, uh, people blame the kids for lots of things, but that's I think that's a, a good one that you blame her for you being an entrepreneur. So that's an excellent one. So you say you describe yourself still as a teacher. So what would you say are the differences and similarities between when you did teach little kids uh, and now that you're training and, and, and supporting people in a different sphere? You know, the similarities are, I still love seeing the light bulb go off. You know, um, we did a five-day masterclass recently and people's aha moments and, oh my gosh, now it makes so much sense. I still love every aspect of that. I still love the design of good learning, you know, whether you're in a classroom as a teaching fifth graders like I was or working with adults or even corporate organizations, you still have to have a good structure for the lessons, for the learning that you're putting together. Um, and interestingly enough, there's still some resistance sometimes. I don't know if you've ever tried to get an adult to change their behavior, change their patterns or thinking kind of like working with fifth graders. So there's some similarities <laughs> there. Um, but what I do love more about what I do now is I get a little bit more freedom. Okay, a lot of bit more freedom because it's my company. Um, and um, I'm talking about things that I absolutely love. You know, as a fifth grade teacher, I had to teach everything. I taught in Baltimore County and I had to teach everything. So I don't like social studies that much, but I had to teach social studies and science. That was not fun. Now, all the things that I'm teaching, I absolutely love every single minute of it. Which is, I mean, I, I posted on LinkedIn the other day, you know, I think, I, I don't know who it is who said it, but, <laughs> but lots of people say, you know, do what you love and it doesn't feel like work. Uh, and you can see the passion coming out, coming out from you, because obviously if you like teaching and, and you like that structure, which you obviously do, then obviously it, it, do, it stops to feel like work and it feels like a purpose rather than actually I'm going to work every day and it's a slog where you see lots of people doing that uh, yeah. and you feel you know there's, a, there's an issue so okay so in terms of um you know some of the products that you've got you're creator of the liberated ceo accelerator now as i said at the beginning i'm, I'm very interested in that because i've got what i've got a tool called the sales accelerator and i have a sales acceleration formula so i'm really interested to explore what this uh, liberated ceo accelerator is about and how how, how it helps liberate ceos i'm assuming <laughs> yeah, it helps create liberated CEOs, you know, after spending so much time in the marketing space and watching so many different programs where, you know, they'll stick in an eight week, you know, course or eight week program. And then by week seven, when you're just starting to figure things out, it's over, right? <laughs> and so I've watched a lot of people do that. And the other thing I've known about um, a lot of my clients is they're brilliant at what they do. Like they get results, they help a lot of people, they are super talented. But what they don't know is how marketing works. And, you know, that is one thing that if you can figure out how to master marketing and sales, you can literally change the game for your business. But if you're brilliant and you still don't know how to get in front of the right people, you don't know how to attract and nurture those relationships so that you can make sales. Or what we like to say is you don't have a community of buyers. You can be brilliant as you want, but you will never get the sales. And then you'll either have to go back to a day job or you know, you'll be stuck where a lot of people, um, what is the number? 3% of entrepreneurs never make $250,000 a year. And, and who wants to quit a job to go work in a dead-end business? And that's exactly what a lot of people do. So the Liberated CEO Accelerator is about giving people the strategy, the training, the tutorials, and the templates so that they can actually build what we call a client acquisition system, right? We want to help them create a repeatable system for getting clients every single month so they don't ever have to worry where their next clients are coming from. Thank you very much. And, and obviously you, you're working with lots of different businesses, which is why process and systems are quite, well, very important. So do you see that your systems work across all businesses? Because obviously I have a variety of different types of listeners coming from different businesses. So they're probably listening to this thinking, oh, well, that's great if I'm in the sort of business that Ty works on. But what about if I'm in a completely different business? So are, they, are these systems that can work across the board? Do they work better in certain areas? 
Um, they do. I mean, we have product-based businesses. I have a, um, a woman who is um, close to 60, right? And she started a beauty care product for, you know, aging skin. And she was super excited because one of our commitments is that we say, we'll help you get 300 leads every 30 days. And she, we helped her create a lead magnet and she grew her email list to 30, over 300 people in her 30 days using like Facebook ads. And now she's got sales coming in and that's for a product-based business. And then on the other side, we work with a lot of coaches, consultants, and course graders, more service-based businesses, because it's the same deal. No matter what business you're in, you need leads. You need a system for generating leads. And you need a way to nurture those people so that they'll go from what we call, I'm interested enough to give you my email address to I'm actually in as that I'm going to invest in working with you. And every entrepreneur, every business needs those same things. Yeah, no, and, and I think that's that's a really important point for any of my skeptical listeners who are think, sitting there thinking, oh, well, yeah, does it work for me? If you have the right system, and you because it's not about just plug and play, although it is in a way, but it's about these are the chunks of bits that you need to be at a market, your product, your service, whatever it may be, in whatever area it is. And it's about them flexing that to the specific business because there are there will be nuances. Uh, and obviously you have to pay tie for that. So you're not going to get that those all those nuances necessarily today, but you'll get the the broad stroke. So that's that's really useful because I, I do find that when you talk about systems, people go, oh well, will it work in mine though? And if you if you know what you're doing, it, it generally will. Okay, so just want to explore a bit more because you know, as I, as I said in the intro, I said you're an award-winning instructional designer. And obviously people don't like, well, actually some people do like to blow their own trumpet, but and if you don't like to blow your own trumpet. But what awards have you won and what are the reasons for the wins? Because I think that's really important for the listeners to just get, get a bit of that background and understanding of uh, what you've done and the very nosy of my listeners. So they'll love to know those things. <laughs> oh gosh. So I can't remember the name of the organization, but I know what I want it for. And I always use this as an example. So I worked for a global tech company, about 13,000, and we were working on a lot of training for their sales teams. We created a course on anti-bribery laws in foreign countries. And if you fell asleep before I finished the title, it's okay. But I said, if I can win an award for that, <laughs> right, I'm pretty good at what we do. And what we did was we just created stories, right? You know, when you're going to another country and this is the situation, what would you do, right? And we had this whole like little game board and it was it was a really fun way to get people who needed that training because they're doing sales across the globe, they needed to understand what those laws were so they were not going to get in trouble and get their sales deals retracted, right? So that was one of the awards that we won for that. Um, outside of that, I've also won awards for being like destined to win by Minnesota Women in Networking when I lived there. Um, and it was really about building my network and connecting with people and really just delivering value. Um, in another um, mastermind I was in recently, I won the MVP award again for showing up and delivering value. I, I work on a generosity model in a lot of cases. So whenever I'm a part of something, and this is how most masterminds need to work and should work, I don't just show up to get, I show up to give. And so I've always gotten, you know, awarded for those kind of things as well. So just, I mean, you just talked about the generosity model and you said you show up to get, uh, give, not just to get. So just talk to us through that. Why, why, why do you think that's so important in a mastermind group, but also just in life generally? Well, it's it's what abundance and prosperity is based on. Um, a lot of us, you know, you know, my story, you know, included, you know, we come from a scarcity model. Um, I tell the story all the time about, you know, the conversations I had growing up about money were we don't have enough money. How much does it cost? Who do you think you are to be wanting something that costs a lot of money? But those were the conversations that I grew up. Um, hearing about money. And that's a scarcity model where we're always like, I got to have a closed fist. And one of the things my mentor helped me understand, she said, if you always only ever have enough, you never have anything left over to give anybody else. And that was okay. so profound for me to understand. And so I stopped thinking of, I only have, I only need. And I said, you know what? There's enough in this universe for everybody to eat. And when you approach things with that generosity and abundance and prosperity, it flows back to you so much easier. Yeah, no, I think I think that's very, very true. And, and you see it with lots of people who are doing well, their philanthropic works and how they do generally give back rather than just take, take, take. That's not always the case. There are, there are some uh, wealthy people that just do just take, take, take. But uh, I'm not sure that they're living the best lives when they're doing that, to be honest. 
Uh, but that, but that, that was a, it's a it's a really nice way to live. Uh, and I'm just go winding it back slightly when you talked about the anti-bribery laws in foreign countries course that you that you won an award for. If that I think if that doesn't show that you can actually pretty much uh if you have the right process sell anything, uh <laughs> I don't know what does because you're right. It doesn't it doesn't leap out of being the most exciting uh, yeah. thing. But obviously <laughs> you engaged, you put gamification in there, you had stories in there. Mm -hmm. So and, and I think that's really important because yeah. I think that ties into what you were talking about about passion as well and actually enjoying what you do. Because mm -hmm. if you can make something interesting because you gamify or you make it humorous or whatever it is, all of a sudden people gravitate towards that, whether it's a product or it's a service, and they, they're, they, they're interested in that product. And certainly if you're teaching, uh, that's obviously one of the techniques of actually engaging people that, uh, and engaging your audience. I think that's really, really useful, actually. So that, that's, that's an interesting one. I wasn't expecting a, an anti-bribery laws in foreign countries, <laughs> of course. But uh, there you have it. <laughs> so... Interesting, because obviously what, we talk, what we're here to talk about is the whole marketing process and the marketing piece. And I think you'd said that, you know, that as marketers, our job in marketing is to produce repeatable systems to deliver predictable income. And the way you get that is by knowing your numbers, which, I, you know, I, I just love that statement because I'm obsessed with repeatable systems. I'm bang on about it all the time and knowing your numbers, which we're going to get into. So can you elaborate on that on that statement? You know, firstly, what do you mean by repeatable systems and, and why is that so important? Yeah, so let me talk about what most people do when it comes to marketing. We call it spaghetti marketing, right? Where I'm going to try TikTok reels this week. I'm going to try Facebook. And you're just throwing stuff out and you're hoping, like if you ever cook spaghetti and they tell you to throw it against the wall and see if it sticks, which is actually kind of messy, but we try it, right? Um, yeah. But a lot of people do that with marketing. I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to see what sticks. And that is no way to build a business because then what happens is what happens when that doesn't stick next month? And now you're scrambling because you don't know where it broke or why it broke and how to fix it. But if we teach a repeatable system, so for example, we use challenges in our business. Um, the first time we did a challenge, um, we you know did a five-day challenge and we brought in $40,000 worth of sales. Okay, now we know how it works. Let's do it again. Next time we did it, we brought in $80,000 worth of sales. Okay, let's optimize this. And God bless you. And um, let's <laughs> <Thank> you. this. <laughs> and then we had $100,000 a month in sales. But what we realized was, you know what? If we have this system, we know what works. We can tweak it. We can optimize it. That means every time we do this, we can expect similar or better results. And then even if we don't get the results we were aiming for, we can literally go back and say, where was the breakdown? And that's actually something I learned in a world of training. Um, my boss, um, Kaleem Islam, I'll never forget working for him. And he wrote a book that talked about um, system the six, the six Sigma system for designing training. And we would break down these long process maps. But what we were able to do is in that process, we were able to say, did this work? Yes. Did this work? Yes. Did this work? No. Ah, here's the problem. And when you create repeatable systems like that in marketing, you can go back and say, did my lead gen work? Yes. Did my ads work? Yes. Did my landing page work? Nope. Oh, I guess I need to fix my landing page instead of none of this works. I'm going to throw everything out and I'm going to start all over again, which is what a lot of people do in marketing. And they waste time, they lose money, and it actually starts to erode their confidence at some point because they equate their success with marketing with their ability to actually deliver a service. And that it's, it's a very, it's, it's one of my biggest bugbears. And actually, I, when I speak to people and they say, why do I like sales and marketing? I say, because I'm on a quest. Uh, and the quest is that, you know, when you work in the corporate world and you'll have seen this yourself, that, you know, you sit around the board table and people will listen avidly to the what they describe as a discipline. So they listen to accountancy very quietly. They then listen to engineers very quietly, et cetera, et cetera. As soon as it gets to the sales and marketing, everybody's got an opinion as if it's not a skill, as if we haven't got any systems. Yeah. So my quest has always been, well, I, I want to codify systems so that when I'm actually talking, people will look at me as if I have authority, as much as a lawyer, as much as a, an accountant, because I'm not just talking, because people say, oh, you've got the gift of the gab. I said, no, it's not about the gift of the gab. It's about understanding what you need to do and what the systems are 
And if you employ these, and, and you're exactly right, it drives me mad when you see marketeers just throwing things all over the place. And you say, right, okay, so why are you doing that? And they can't tell you. And then you're sort of like saying, okay, so what's the return on that? How's that working? And they can't give you any, it's like, well, oh, it's very hard to measure marketing. I said, yeah, it is if you're doing immeasurable things. But if you're doing <laughs> measurable things, then actually it's quite easy to measure. And why would you do something when you have no idea whether it's having an impact or it's not having an impact? Uh, so I, I really like the, the way you've you've outlined that, especially <laughs> that Six Sigma system for training as well is a very interesting one, which I've never heard of before. Um, so so so, how do you start that process off when you've got people? Because guaranteed, you you must have people who who come to you as marketeers who who have that view of well, you can't really measure it. It's very difficult to measure anything and output so it's all very arty uh you know it's and it's an art rather than a science how, how do you start bringing that in so that people actually get what it is you're trying to teach them you know it, it goes back to the numbers that you were talking about um i was just having this conversation with someone you know earlier and i said well how much do you want to sell each month and he just said well i i, I don't know i said well how are you expected to be in business like you have no way of knowing what your goals are. And you don't even know what marketing strategies to use if you don't know goals. Uh, one of my pet peeves is when people will come to us and say, I just need somebody to do my Facebook ads. And I'm going to say, no, I won't take their money um, because we don't even know if you need Facebook ads. Like, why do you, why do you need that? Well, so-and-so was using Facebook ads, but they had a very different business model. They understood the lifetime value of their customers, which is one of those numbers that people don't like to think about. And I'll give you a really quick story. Um, and I learned this from, you know, investing in coaching and masterminds and all that. But here's the deal. Um, a lot of people will spend money on Facebook ads to try to get a $29 sale, $37 sale, $47 sale. And then they're mad when they're not making a profit. But what they don't understand is that the people who are actually using that strategy correctly, they're just using a $47 or $97 product to get you in the door. And they don't yeah. mind, right? They don't mind spending $97 because they're going to upsell you for $1,000 or $5,000 on the back end. But because people don't understand the full strategy, they'll get really mad and say Facebook ads don't work. And that is not true. Now, there's some bumps in the road, right, with some of the changes. Uh, but there's still a lot of money to be made and a lot of leads to be generated. But you've got to understand how the big picture strategy works and not just go after the shiny object that you see but don't understand. And I think that's a, a critical point, and we're going to get into the numbers. Um, because I remember, I just remember being on a, I think I was on a mastermind group, which was about two grand uh, to be a member of the mastermind group. And I went, I don't, I don't want to give back too much away, but it was, it was basically a system that helped you sell products online. Um, and then they were showing you the Facebook strategy. And and I, and I because I'm just very very much into numbers. My dad was an accountant, so I'm obsessed with numbers. So he he was showing us how much money he spent. And how much money he'd made. No, sorry, he was showing us how much money he'd made on this particular campaign. And all mm -hmm. I was looking at was how much he'd spent. And I was looking, oh, yeah, yeah you have made 50,000 pounds, but you spent 48 grand. I'm thinking, <laughs> so yeah, you've made a lot of money, but you've spent a lot. So actually, you've not really, in terms of that particular product, you're not that made, made that much money. But as you said, he has so many other programs that that is really, yeah, two grand on that is fine because he's making so much money on higher ticket items. What, but what other people will be looking at is, oh, I'm just going to do this. And I'm going to make loads and lo I'm going to make 50 grand a month. Yeah, but you're putting in 48 grand. There's probably easier ways to make two grand than there is spending all that money on um, Facebook ads. So, yeah, I, I think it is, you know, what it's, it, it's like, like you. It's one of my pet peeves is that people don't understand Mm -hmm. what it is they're actually trying to achieve. And that example you just gave about, well, I, I, I want to make some money. How much do you want to make? Well, okay. So if you don't know how much you're going to make, how do you know what strategy you need? Because if you want to make 10 grand from that product, that's a completely different strategy than if you're happy to make a grand from that product. There's, there's so many different things that you'd put in play. So so we, we talk about the numbers, uh, and this is, this is really fascinating for me. So you said there's certain numbers that every single business needs to know. So hit me, what are those numbers? that people need yeah, to be so, aware of. Yeah, so first of all, you need to know how much money you want to make. Yep. <laughs> right? and, 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 and let's be clear about it. Um, there's different layers to that, right? Um, there's still some folks who think that if they make $100,000 a year, that they get to keep all $100,000. We know that's not true. 
Um, you know, so 30% of that is going to go to taxes. 30% of that is going to go to marketing and operations. And then you've got profit, which is still different than the money that you take because you got to pay yourself a salary. Yeah. Right. And so when people are coming into the business and they're like, well, I'm going to charge lower than this because da, 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 it's a real, it's a red flag for me that they don't understand how business works. Because the reason you can't charge that low number is because at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to pay yourself or have a profit to reinvest in anything. And if you don't understand that, you can you can call yourself a freelancer, but you don't really want to call yourself an entrepreneur because you're not thinking correctly about what that needs to be. So you got to know how much money you want to make. Um, you also have to know how many things do you need to sell to make that money? If I want to make $10,000 a month, I can sell something that's a dollar, which is going to mean I have a lot of sales to get to, or I can sell like something that's a thousand dollars and all I need is 10 sales to get to, right? And that's what we call like, you know, understanding what your business model is. Once you understand how many things you need to sell, then you have to know how many potential people do you have to talk to, to get those sales? Because everybody you come across is not going to buy. And I see this all the time. And you probably see this too, Akeem, but I've got a hundred Facebook friends. I've got 500 people in my Facebook group. They are not all going to buy from you, <laughs> right? Yep. I have 200 people on my email list. Do you know, and you 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 know these numbers, but do you know what the, you know, um, the average closure rate or the average conversion rate is? It's 3%. Yeah. So you got 100 people on your list, yay. <laughs> but you're not really going to do much with three sales, right? So again, it's about understanding the numbers and the conversion, right? And so another question that we do with a lot of our clients is, so how many calls does it take you to actually close five clients? That's your close rate. Is it 50? Is it 10? Like say you need 10 clients each month. If it takes you 50 people to get those 10 sales, but you're only talking to five people a month, you're never going to get those sales. <laughs> math just doesn't math that way. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it's it, those numbers. And we had, we created something um, called um, predictable income calculator where it has those variables, right? And it says, if you want to, you know, this is the traffic that you need, which is something else people don't think about. How many eyes do you need to get on it so that you get people to be on your list so that you can get to the 3% conversion rate, right? And those numbers, it scares people, but I find some security in it because now at least I know that, oh, I didn't make enough sales because I only talked to 10 people. So if I just talked to 20 people, I can make more money. Oh, that's easy for me to fix now because now I just got to have a system that delivers 20 people to my system every single month and then I can hit my numbers. So now I have predictable income. So that's, and that's a really nice way of just encapsulating it. So the predictable income calculator, is that something that you share freely or is that something that people have to join one of your groups to, to get hold of? For your audience, I will share it freely. I will give you the link that you can give to them. They won't even have to join a Facebook group, but I'm sure they'll want to. But I will give it to you um, freely. We gave it away in our challenge. And actually, I created it for the challenge because it was just one of the days that we did. Let's we had this whole day. We said, let's know your numbers. And then people were so like, oh, my gosh. And it was causing so much anxiety. I said, why don't we just really simplify this? Create a system where you can put the variables in and then you can see if I get this much, this much traffic have this kind of close rate, get this much of a conversion rate, which is how we got to talk about quizzes because you need a high, you need something that's going to give you a higher conversion rate. If you put all those numbers in, you can predict how much your income is going to be every single month. And then it becomes your job to get your numbers to get the right amount of traffic to post the right amount of sales. And once you hit those numbers, you're going to have that predictable income. No, excellent. And, and, and I really appreciate that. I know my listeners will appreciate that. So just, just clarity. So he said, how much money do you want to make? Obviously, and then break that down because it's not just about your turnover. I, put, I can't remember who it was who said it. The turnover, well, the turnover is vanity. Profit is sanity, because people <laughs> often will say to, you, "Oh, yeah, I have two hundred grand a year." And when you break it down, well, how much do you actually make? Well, about twenty grand, right? So that's not really a financially stable business if you're thinking you want to leave a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. So it's the pro it's around the profit and how much money you actually take out or can take out. Uh, how much do you need to sell to hit that amount? 
obviously, which is, is yeah. important. And then how many people do you need to see or speak to before you can actually get to that? And that's a, we're talking about the conversion rate and, and the close rate. So, so one of the things that you're talking about there was the challenge. So just talk me through that. Why is it that you set these challenges up? Because you talked about earlier that obviously mm -hmm. setting challenges is to earn X amount or to do this particular thing. So what, what's the, the reasoning rationale behind that? So I, I've literally set up my business around my strengths and what I love. I love teaching. And so when we do the challenges or the master classes, I literally get to show up for five days and teach my butt off. And I love every <laughs> minute of it, right? And I have so much fun and there's so much engagement. And it's a way for people to get to know, you know, what my style is. You know, we sell high ticket coaching programs. You know, if they don't know me, if they don't like me, if they don't trust me, they're not going to buy. And so if we spend five days together and I'm delivering value to you every single day, I'm giving you one thing you can implement every day and you're getting results. When I make that invitation to continue this experience, to get more of this, if you had amazing time these last five days, do you want more of this? Imagine what would happen to your business if we did this over six months, where would your business be? It becomes a lot easier for people to see themselves making that progress. And so it's my strength of teaching it's a great way of engagement and building those relationships. And you know what? It's predictable because I can do this every six to eight weeks. I can bring in the 350 people. I can get the sales that we need. And we always have an influx of people that are coming into our program. So the question, because everybody always talks about how successful they are when they do these sorts of programs. Everyone always talks about how successful the teaching program is. Invariably, there'll be some people that come on that course that don't get what they thought they were going to get when they came on. So can you talk to me about that and tell me why do you, the, the ones that you can think of that will come to mind, why mm -hmm. were they not successful? With doing a challenge, with running a challenge? Yeah, either a challenge or they've got a business and you try to work with them and, and they don't get mm -hmm. to where they feel they should be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things is that there, well, here's the main thing. It's a lot about mindset. Yes. It's a lot about mindset. And we, and we actually talked about this in the masterclass that we did. Like you can't have a negative attitude about money and expect money to come to you. Like money yeah. doesn't have to be hated on. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you criticize people that, you know, have money and are wealthy, if you are, you know, you secretly say you want money, but on a real side, you don't really think you deserve money. Money's going to go in the opposite direction of you. Um, and so there's that mindset piece. Another reason is consistency. Um, there was a woman in, in my program and, you know, she's done amazing things. She's actually gone from homeless to Harvard in about three and a half years. Um, and when she was in my coaching, she was in our, she started up in our coaching program that we built a quiz for her. And then she, now we actually do all of her marketing for her. And when she started out, people would be like, well, how come you, you give her like extra stuff and, you know, she must be your favorite. And I'm like, no, she just does the work every single day. Like I've, we teach this thing called a flawless follow-up system. Because you know this too, that most people give up way too soon. Yeah. Like, you know, how many times did you talk to them? Well, I sent them one email. That's not going to do anything. You got to, you know, really be aggressive with your follow-up. And I would watch her every day. She would reach out to five people every morning on LinkedIn. Now she speaks at LinkedIn, right? Now she's spoken at Microsoft, at Etsy. She's speaking at BMW. But it started with her being very consistent every single day. She was reaching out to people. And it's not just with reaching out to people, it's with anything with your marketing and your messaging. You can't show up one day, put one post out and get mad that nobody buys your stuff. They don't know you. Facebook didn't even show it to half the people. Yeah. Right? So you've got to, the people that don't last long, it's because they're not consistent. And the other one, they have a real fear around marketing and sales. Yeah. It's your lifeblood. And the great yeah, well, thing yeah, yeah, well, Oh, so Carol. Yeah, I was gonna say the great thing about it is you can learn how to market and you can learn how to sell. Yeah, because you teach people that, right? So you can learn how to do it. Well, yeah, and the amount of times I've heard people say, "Oh, I don't like marketing, I don't like sales," and I always just say, "Well, actually, probably if if you give me two minutes, I'll give you twenty five examples of how you're already marketing and selling every single day. You just don't call it marketing and sales, but that's effectively what it is, and it's about having a process to do. It. And you learn it when you're a kid." Because when you're a kid, you're always selling yourself to your parents or marketing when you want something. I want to go here or I want this. And then, and, and it's exactly the same point. 
you know, when you're a child, if you ask your your parent for some sweets and they say, or candy, as they say in America, obviously, uh, and you say and they say no, you don't give up and say, oh well, I can't. You 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 nag them and nag them and nag them and nag them. And I'm not saying you need to nag, but it's about as you said that persistence and that consistency and also that mindset because you really want those sweets. So you're not you're not get, you're not taking no for an answer and you're going to keep going. But as we get older, and it's interesting because I think you said right at the beginning that obviously um, that uh, adults are sometimes just like children in terms of um, they don't want to change. I actually think adults are probably worse because children are, are much more open to learning things because they accept that there's things that they don't know. Adults, unfortunately, start believing that actually, no, well, I've done this for 40, 50 years of my life. So that's what I believe. And that's and that's my skill set. And I can't change my skill set. So I think that then brings it back to that. As you said, if you have someone with the wrong mindset, um, it is very difficult mm -hmm. to um, you know, get them into the right frame of mind because they have they have to want to do it, they have to be willing to do it, and they have to be open to doing it. Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's that, I'm always interested in that because people never talk about what 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 the challenges are in training or or supporting or developing others. Uh, and I think it's it's always useful for people to understand what the key things you need if you want to be successful. Um, Can I share one more thing too? And and because I'll tell you about a time and I'm always transparent and honest and I give the good and the bad. And we had a time when our challenge did not work, right? And it brought in lower, the lowest money that we ever brought in from a challenge that was because I was indecisive. And okay. that's another thing with a lot of folks is they, they're afraid to make a decision. And I think this comes straight from corporate you know, having been in, you know, a corporate environment, it really wears down your self-esteem and your confidence um, in your own ability to make a decision. And so we get so afraid of being judged. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I make the wrong decision, if I say the wrong thing, and we carry that into our business. And so something as simple as, hey, who is your ideal client? Oh, I can never choose. What do you mean you can't choose? You can't market to everybody, yeah. right? You don't have the money and actually you can't even serve everybody, but we're so afraid to make a decision. And I found that those people who decide and they make a decision and they take action, they end up doing really, really well because prosperity loves speed. Yeah. It's interesting you should say that, actually, because my last podcast, which I think is going out this Sunday, actually, uh, was with a, um, a chap called Chris Hurst, who's written uh, a book called No Bullshit Leadership. And, mm -hmm. and, and I've done a, a few leadership um, podcasts recently. And he said that one of the key things in leadership is making a decision, that making a decision i'm getting it wrong is still better than not making a decision uh so that really resonates with me actually because because that's part of your leadership tools in terms of getting as he described it getting from where you are now to where you want to be you need to make some decisions and you will get some wrong but you mm -hmm. then need to course correct and that's yes. part of knowing your numbers because if you know your numbers and you know what you're actually trying to achieve it's a lot easier to course correct and make those decisions so that's really, that's really interesting. So, so you, you've mentioned it a few times, and I've noticed that you really like quizzes. Uh, so I I have actually used a few quiz so software tools uh, to a greater or lesser extent of success. So just talk me through, you know, why you like quizzes so much, what it is that you do potentially different than other people that makes them so successful. Because there's loads of quiz softwares out there, which, as I said, some are good, some aren't. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There, there are good and there are some bad software, right? Um, when I left my last day job, I literally, the first time in my adult life, I did not have a backup plan. I did not have a resume. I didn't have another job lined up. I didn't even have clients like lined up because while I was there, I could not have clients on the outside. And I did have an old email list of about 2,500 people that I hadn't talked to in two and a half years. And you know what I did? I sent them a quiz. <laughs> and the quiz was what type of entrepreneur are you? And I had actually created the quiz back in 2013 and I had been using it, you know, because I work with a lot of people who were like, I need to be a coach, but they really need to be a coach. <laughs> so you were trying to figure out like, you know, which kind of business should you build? And I sent that quiz out and within two weeks, I had 500 people back on my email list. I'm like, okay, I took that 500 people and I started building my coaching business. But, you know, at some point, you know, it, you know, it kind of wears off. It's like, well, I need more. Then I started using Facebook ads. I had no idea what I was doing. Right? <laughs> I was really trying to figure it out, but here's what happened. 
I spent about $500 in Facebook ads. And I remember, um, here's what it felt like, Hakeem. It felt like Facebook, because you get that message that says, you know, your little deductible from Facebook, whatever. And yeah. I was like, Facebook took money out of my account, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so I shut the ad down. I'm like, and my coach said, why did you do it? I said, well, they took money out of my account. He said, well, how much money did you make? I said, oh, okay. So I went back and looked at my numbers, right? And I had spent $500. I had booked 10 sales calls. These were people I did not know. Mm. And I sold two people. So I spent $500. I made $8,500. I said, oh, now <laughs> I understand the power of Facebook ads. Yes. <laughs> but here's what happened with the quiz. Um, there are a lot of lead magnets out there. Everybody has a PDF download and get my checklist and get this. And those are helpful. And they serve a purpose at certain points in your you know, client acquisition system. What I loved about quizzes is this. I'm getting so much more than just your email, right? You know, if you give me your email address, that's about it. And when I say, like, we talk about how marketing is like dating and you would never marry somebody just based off your email address, unless Jason Momoa, <laughs> Rotimi, <laughs> right? Or Morris Chestnut. Now, if I saw an email come through, we, we might, you know, I might show up with the wedding dress in the ring, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> But we don't, we don't make those decisions based off an email address. But when you ask the right quiz questions, you're getting better data because now I understand your pain points. And if I understand your pain points and problems, I can do a much better job with my marketing. So now that my marketing is tuned in and dialed in and it's more personalized, which is what marketers need in this day and age to cut through all the noise out there. So now I'm sending you more personalized messages that are tapped into your pain points it's a lot easier for you to say yes to whatever the next step is. Because now I've not only delivered value to you, I've personalized it to exactly where you are. And if you ask the right quiz questions, you set up the right quiz structure, it works. Now I'm not talking about, you know, what's your aura color? Like, you know, what's your <laughs> Harry Potter, which Harry Potter house are you in? I'm not talking about that. We develop behavior-based quizzes, right? And so it's based on, how do the behaviors categorize people in one place or another? So for example, um, we're working with a real estate agent, right? And she helps people move. She's in Boston. And so the quiz that we're helping her create is what type of seller are you, right? Are you motivated because you got a, you know, you got a family crisis? Are you, made, are you motivated because you need money? Are you motivated because of your job is making you leave? Like once we know those reasons, like why you're trying to sell your house, it's a lot easier for her now to say, listen, if you're motivated by making money off of this deal, you need a realtor who understands and is not going to let you get ripped off. If you're motivated because you got a family crisis, you need somebody that's going to come in and take it off your plate. So we're not going to talk to you about money. We're going to talk to you about this. There are 20 things you need to do to sell your house. We can help you with 10 of them. Let me show you how we've done that. So see, simply by asking the right questions, I'm way ahead of all those people who are just saying I'm a realtor. I can help you sell your house because now I'm tapped into your pain point and I've personalized the message and I've matched it with what we're able to do for you. And it's a win when we call it a trifecta. Your clients win because they're getting value and they're getting real answers that help them. You win because you're getting the people that you want to work with because you can also disqualify people who are not a good fit. And then your bank account's going to win because you're going to get clients that actually pay you. And the, and the, the great thing, and that, that's why I was really interested just to talk through the quiz. Because it's non-threatening and people love do quizzing quizzes. So if someone asks you, if, if someone just says, "Oh well, do you want to buy this?" You're probably going to say no. If someone said, "Oh, do you want to do a quiz about X?" and you know it's in the in that wheelhouse of what they're interested in, the chances yeah. are people will fill it in a quiz. It's like if you look at LinkedIn, the most popular uh, form of a post is a poll post, which is not quite a quiz, but right. you can turn it into a quiz, and you will always get ridiculous engagement the problem is that most people just abuse it and use it for silly things and don't realize that you can use it for marketing purposes and just start asking questions about all sorts of random things which are not going to give you any real information so um so yeah the, the quiz is really, really interesting because obviously when you started off with the quizzes you you probably weren't as um what's the word slick as you are now in terms of the behavioral one because you said you just sent it to your email list so uh -huh. if, if it's obviously the ideal 
for all of you listening. If, if you want to know how to do a behavioral quiz, then you need to contact Ty, and then she'll be able to help you do that. However, is there anything that a person could say, well, actually, well, I don't want to do that yet. I just want to run my own quiz. What, what would be the tips that you'd give to someone who said, well, oh, let me just try a little quiz myself to get an idea of how to run these things? What, what would be the, the key steps for them? Yeah, well, you know, actually, my first quiz was very behavioral because when I was in corporate, okay, this is going to sound super nerdy. And listen, I'm a total nerd, so I, I don't mind it at all. But I actually spent an entire week learning how to create legally defensive questions because oh. we were creating a we were creating an assessment for stockbrokers right yeah. so that was part of you know what was in my background already along with also being certified in human performance improvement right okay. so i've got all that background in there so it was very much based on how can i help people get real answers about what they need and i'm going to share a couple of tips for your audience as well the first thing is this do not ever start with the questions and that's what everybody does. I know all the questions I want to ask. How do you know what questions you want to ask if you don't know what the outcomes are supposed to be? Because you have to start with the end in mind, right? You know, I, I want to know, you know, who the, for example, you know, we have, we, um, we helped a, a client who's a gynecologist create a quiz. <laughs> and the quiz is called, where did my O go? And yes, we were talking about that O, right? Okay. But we're talking about, you know, is the reason, you know, that you're taking medication. Um, is the reason, you know, that because you're fatigued um, is the reason because you're not exercising, right? We could come up with some reasons and then we could ask people, right, the questions that help them identify which category they fell into. But we start with the outcomes first. So you got to do that. And once you start with the outcomes, it goes back to what's your hook? Like, what's the thing that's going to get people in, right, invested in, oh, I'm curious about that. Because Let's face it, we're all a little bit narcissistic. We all want to know a little bit. Oh, it's going to tell me something. I don't know about me, my favorite subject, right? <laughs> so, you know, you got to have a really good hook. Um, so you've got your hook, you've got your questions, and then you need to make sure that you've got a way to nurture people once they take your quiz. I see people do this all the time. That you took you, you took the quiz and they gave you this like page that said, okay, now buy my stuff. And that was it. No emails to nurture you along the process. No emails to check in with you. Yeah. Right. Nothing else to help build the relationship. And then people say, well, quizzes don't work. No, you just don't have a system to make it work. Um, and then the fourth thing is you got to have a really good call to action. Yeah. Right. I, I, you know, it can't just be thanks for taking the quiz. See you later. <laughs> right. Where do you want them to go next? What do you want them to do next? Do you want them to go to your webinar? And that's what we do. Take the quiz. Then we're going to invite you to a webinar so that you get to know us. Or we're going to invite you to a master class so that you get to know us a little bit more. Right now, if you're doing e-commerce, it's a little bit different because e-commerce has a um, lower price point, and so yeah. you may want to direct people, you know, right there. But one of my very first, my very first quiz client, and I share this story with you with your audience too. Um, she sold eyelashes, magnetic eyelashes, oh. um, and I've got the screenshots from it um, because we had people that were taking a quiz to figure out what kind of lash was right for them. And then they would go and buy the lash. And over a two-week period of time, just from the first email that we sent out, brought back in $23,000 in sales. Um, <laughs> just from the first email, right? And she oh, went on her lashes. first year. And it's perfect timing for her. She started in a pandemic. She started her eyelash company in February of the pandemic, right? Mm. Um, and by the end of the year, she was a six-figure. No, I'm sorry. She was a seven-figure company. And she went on Shark Tank and got more money, right, for her business, right? So, you know, the power of quizzes is about segmenting your audience. It's a great way to build your, um, your email list fast. Most um, lead magnets, like a PDF, they have a traditional conversion rate of about 15%. We always yeah. go back to numbers, don't we? Right? <laughs> <laughs> 15%. Um, our quizzes have converted anywhere from 30 to 60%. Okay. So anyone listen to this, I mean, I love quizzes, to be honest. And that's why I know so much about bloody quiz software because I keep trying them. Um, but anyone who's listening to this, all you need to know is that to get a conversion rate of 30 to 60%, if you're not in marketing, that is absolutely phenomenal. So if you're not doing quizzes, I would suggest that you start thinking very seriously about doing quizzes. But as Ty has just said there, a quiz is not just you slap a quiz up and you think you're going to get loads of customers. As Ty has just gone through, there's quite a structured process and one of the key things is once you've done the quiz, apart from the construction of the quiz, it's about the nurturing of those. And actually, that's the same in any lead gen. 
you know, you need to nurture the people through. You can't think that, oh, right, I've done X and now uh, everyone's going to just be buying, you know, it doesn't happen. Uh, it's very, well, it may, I mean, I'm sure that we, we can find some example of the way it does, but it, it would be a rarity. So, so that's really, really um, useful. And is there any software that you use or do you just do them yourself? Oh, yeah, I don't do that myself because you want something that actually works. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but there are a few um, that I use. Um, I use Try Interact, um, and you know, Interact. Um, they're one of the simplest. They're they're robust enough with all the features that they have, but they make it really easy to use. And so I recommend that a lot to my customers. Um, we use Outgrow. Okay, um, yeah. Outgrow is a lot of fun because in addition to um, quizzes, you can do calculators with them, right? Um, yeah. And then a couple of other ones that we play around with. We've got this whole thing that we give folks um, in our program. Um, it's called the Quiz Q, where I've evaluated about 15 different tools over 12 areas. So how pretty is it? How nicely does it play with your other software? Um, how easy is it to use? What's the customer support like? Because you're right, there's every, you know, and here's one of the ways that you know quizzes are going to like be around for a while. Um so I'm going to give away a little bit about my age, maybe, maybe not. But I did <laughs> my first webinar back in 1999. Okay. And I know because you were all worried about Y2K, right? Remember yes, that? Yes, yeah, I do. So, right? So 1999. And there are still people to, to this day, 20 plus years later, still learning how to do webinars. Yeah. So quizzes, you know, they kind of had this up and down. And I think we're just getting to this space now that segmentation is really important. And now with iOS privacy, not letting you do the follow-up and retargeting, if you've got more information from a quiz, it's easier for you to do retargeting. This is a little bit techie for those of you who are following at that <laughs> level, right? Um, but I know some of you appreciate that. Some of you are like, this is over my head. Just, just hire me. It'll be okay. But if you're having trouble with retargeting, you can use that quiz data to actually do a better job of retargeting, right? And so we're going to see this resurgence. And one of the ways I know that's true is because there's all there's people that are creating quiz platforms like every other month, right? Exactly. They're, they're coming out. But I will I will say this: there is there. Is, I'm not going to give the name, but there is a company out there that says that they do quizzes, and they're a landing page company. But I want to caution you because it's not a real quiz; it's just a survey that is logic based. Yeah. And it's very different because it's not calculating anything, and it's going to give everybody the same email, like. So many people come to me, they they try it on their own. And then I actually, so much so, I actually have a service that's called Fix My Quiz Funnel <laughs> because people were getting it wrong and we just want to kind of help them make it right. So, yeah, and, and I think that that is, I would say, the same for all aspects of marketing. Because I, I always have this conversation actually, because, yeah, of course, you can learn it yourself, um, as you can with anything. But if you know somebody who's actually a master in it and can actually teach you, it accelerates your growth. And the biggest issue people have, and this comes back to the numbers again, is they'll say, oh, yeah, but if I do it on my own, you know, if I can't afford to. Well, my, my argument always is you can't afford not to, because if you then start looking at your time that you're spending, if your time spent best trying to work out all the nuances of how to market that particular product or do a quiz, or actually, and it, and it may well be, but if you're a salesperson, well, maybe your time is best spent on the phones, try to close clients rather than doing all the stuff behind. And if you're doing that more, then actually that pays for itself. So I always caution people when they start saying, oh, well, it's going to cost me money. Yeah, but everything costs money. If you want to buy a car, it costs you money. You, you're not going to start, start trying to build a car because it'll cheap, be cheaper. You're going to go and actually <laughs> buy somebody because they're experts in building it. Um, so, so yeah, so, so okay, so... That's really useful. Uh, and as I said at the outset, I think if you're interested in quizzes, then you want to, you know, hit tie up because <laughs> she's the expert. So coming towards the end, um, mm -hmm. just a few quick fire ones. So if I was to say, you know, five key things that you need to deliver marketing that gives you a return, what would they be? And and you might not, you might not have five, but give me give me a few key things because uh, my, my audience always wants three tips to do this, five tips to do that. Uh, so I always try to give them them right, at least at the end. Listen, I showed up prepared today for you, okay? So <laughs> I got five and a bonus one. So the first thing is you got to have a really good offer, right? Um, please, please know how to put together a really, really irresistible offer for people. Then you got to have an audience. You got to have, we call that a community of buyers, people to sell to. Um, yeah. Then you got to have the right messaging. 
so that you attract those people in. Then you got to have a strategy, right? Please don't do spaghetti marketing, right? Get somebody <laughs> who understands strategy and then you need the right tools, right? Don't just use the free stuff because it's free. And then you have to do a whole lot of manual stuff. You will hate your life. And then the last thing is consistency. If you show up consistently, you are going to make a difference because people are watching for that. And they're looking for people who continue to show up over and over and over again. And I think this is, it's, it's, that is so key, whatever you do, because even when in podcasting, that's what they say. They say that the problem with most podcasters is not that they're not good, but they're not consistent. And then I, I was listening to somebody today and they'll give an example of, um, you know, having an irregular podcast is the same. If you go to an ice cream shop, and they have the best ice cream ever. Then you go back the next week and they're closed. Then you go back the week after and they haven't got the ice cream you want. Then you go back the week after and they say, ah, well, yeah, we're, we're going to be open another three weeks. You're not. You're just going to go and find someone else. And it's exactly the same with podcasting. It's the same with what it's quizzes. Wherever it is, if you're not consistent, people are going to forget you and they're going to go somewhere to find information from someone who is consistent. And that person who's consistent might not even be as good as you, but they're consistent. Yeah. So it's, I think that's a real um you know in, important one for the last one so really good offer community of buyers right messaging strategy right tools and consistency i like that very good so you've got what you came for if, if that's all you came for but you've got a lot more than that and then if, if there was things that we said right well what would you avoid what are the three things uh that you'd say whatever you do don't do oh whatever you do Oh, goodness. Um, don't think small. Yes. Like you know, it. like, don't don't think small. The, the, the universe is so vast. The opportunities, there's so much out there that you don't have to think small. So don't do that. Um, don't just do what you see somebody else doing without understanding the strategy behind it. Yeah. Um, and, and don't undercharge. Oh, my goodness. Like... <laughs> And listen, I was there. I tell myself all the time. I was there. I undercharged. Um, but here's the reality. And I heard someone else, um, we were having a conversation somewhere else, and I can't remember where, but we had this conversation. And one of the things that came out of it was this. People that are used to investing in money, like investing in things and spending money, when they hear a lowball price, it turns them off. Yeah. So you think that you're coming in and you're being meek and you're being humble and you're being this. And they're looking at them like, nope, not worth it. So don't undercharge. And, and I'm going to clarify this, especially if you're new. You might be new as an entrepreneur, but you're not new at your skills. If you've got 10 years, 20 years doing a corporate job, don't think because you're now an entrepreneur, you have to start at bottom prices because you're a new entrepreneur. No, you've got 20 years worth of skills. You've got two years worth of skills, right? Yeah. So you might be new to being in business, but you're not new to the game. And so charge that way. I think that's a really critical point, actually. And I remember I, I started off, um, in, we were doing key account management consultancy, and I started off with a, a lady that I'd worked with in business for many years, and she, but she started off consultancy before me. And I remember, I won't say what we were charging, but when she said, we, this is what we need to charge, I was like, oh, we're not going to get any business, Sandra, it's impossible, we can't charge that much. And we did, and, we started, and I started thinking, oh, so people are paying. And she was like, well, she said, if you don't charge what you are actually worth, you're not going to be successful because as you said if you go in as a consultant and you're charging whatever real low price people think can't be that good then uh, and you may well get clients who will pay it but what i've noticed is the clients that clients that pay the least tend to give you the most hassle <laughs> so, say that again so, oh my goodness <laughs> yeah it's, it's, yeah so, so so i i teach that to every anything i do i always look at the price and i say okay say what's in your market what's the most expensive person and how do you compare to that person? And to me, it's like, that's who you should be gauging against, not the cheapest person, because that guy or that girl, have they got more experience than you? Yes, they have, okay, so maybe you don't charge exactly the same. Have they got a massive name? Yes, they have, maybe you don't charge the same. But what about that guy? Oh, they're, they're pretty much the same as me. Actually, they've got less skills than me, but they're charging twice what you, you want to charge. So why would you do that? Because you're basically saying you're half as good as them. Uh, so I think, yeah, that's that's a, re a real good one. It's, and it's a bugbear of mine that people always want to come in. If I undercharge, then I'll get low of the business. Not necessarily. And, you and also, you have to get... Yeah. Well, you don't want loads of that kind of business because you'll end up resenting <laughs> your customers. And ask me how I know. 
right? Because I was there and I resented it because I'm doing all this work and I'm getting paid like jack shit. I don't want that. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So I, I could, yeah, I could tell you more stories, but we're. Oh yeah, I, I <laughs> plenty of those. So what, one last question. If mm-hmm. there's, because we, we've gone through so much already. Um, if there's one thing that you wanted to leave the listeners with, what would that be? What's the one thing from the, the marks and the numbers, the teaching that you say, right, I want to m- make sure that this is the message that everyone's left with. You know, it's actually not anything connected to the marketing or the numbers. Um, I I say this all the time, everywhere I am, there are people who can't step into their purpose until you step into yours. And so you you need to learn how to market because they're waiting for you to show up. You need to learn how to price accordingly because they're waiting for you to show up. And when you don't show up, you can't help them, which means they can't help the people they're supposed to help, which means those people can help. So you're, you're messing up the ripple effect, right? So there are people who can't step into their purpose until you step into yours. So let's go. Indeed. So thank you very much, Ty. That has been illuminating. It's, um, as I said at the beginning, I'll be, I was very excited to have this conversation. I really appreciate you spending the time this hour with us. Uh, and I know for a fact that you'll definitely be getting lots of inquiries <laughs> once people watch this, because it's some very, very powerful stuff you've just um, elaborated on over the last hour so thank you very much thank you it's a great conversation thank you i have to say i really enjoyed that so many great takeaways and as i told you ty was going to give some real great value and she didn't disappoint i dare you to say you didn't learn anything from this podcast because i know you did i love process and systems so this is a really great hour for me to spend interviewing Ty. Trust me, I was taking notes just as much as I'm sure you were, and I'm already on to those quizzes that she talked about. Now, whatever part you like the best, remember the three things that Ty said you need to know to ensure you get the most out of your marketing. Number one, how much money do you want to make? And remember, she talked about bringing it down to profit. It's not just about turnover. Number two, how much do you need to sell in order to achieve that amount that you've been looking for? And then number three, how many people do you need to speak to to get to that amount? I.e., the need to focus on conversion rate. Now, these key things will obviously get you started and check out the link for the predictable income calculator in the podcast description. And don't forget to check out the show notes at www.thesalesaccelerationformula.com. And always make sure you smash that like and subscribe button. And I think you know what I'm going to say next. If you liked what you heard, give us a positive review. And if you didn't, keep it to yourself. Keep listening and keep growing.